So I'm excited to jump in. Um, this is our last week um, in our series called Upside Down Kingdom. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out um, and turn to the book of Luke. Turn to the book of Luke. If you don't know where Luke is, um, it is the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And so it's probably like three quarters of the way through your Bible, you'll find the gospels because um, the Old Testament takes up quite a bit of space. Um, but it's all, it's all good stuff in there. But Luke, third gospel, um, and if you hit John or Acts, you've gone too far. Uh, but we're going to start in Luke, uh, and instead of chapter 6, where we have been kind of camping, um, we are going to jump ahead to Luke chapter 17. So if you guys have your Bibles, Luke chapter 17. Um, I've said this before, I'll say it again, if you guys have your phones, like, man, I want to encourage you, bring, like, a real Bible in here, um, so you can take notes, you can write in it, um, and that you're not distracted um, with your phones, and that's, that's all I'll say about that this morning. Um, if anything, like, just make sure that you're not, if you are using your phone, don't distract other people around you, but I want to encourage you to bring, like, a physical, real Bible. Um, it's just better to write in and, and take notes, and it's fun. So, that's where we're at this morning, Luke 17, verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. So I'm going to read this to, um, to us this morning. So Jesus has been teaching. Um, he, he's, been, he's been healing. He's been, he's been going around the countryside doing ministry. Um, this is quite some time after he gives the Sermon on the Plain, which is what we looked at in Luke 6. Um, and so this is where we're getting um, through kind of the book now um, towards the end of, of his time doing ministry, like a, approaching um, Easter and, and, and the crucifixion and all of these things. And so Jesus has just healed um, these guys who had leprosy. Um, and it's just like, that's a really cool story. That's back in verse 11. Um, and so if, as you guys have time, like read that. That's one of my favorite stories. Um, and so now we, we find ourselves here in verse 20. Jesus is, is surrounded by, by the Pharisees. Um, and they are, they're asking him questions. So verse 20, here's what Luke 17 says. Being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so this is a little bit of what we've been talking about. All through Luke 6, we see Jesus is teaching, and, and we said this is Jesus teaching about what we call the upside down kingdom. Like it's backwards from the expectations that the world places on us. Um, it's about loving your neighbor. It's about lending to those who beg from you um, and not asking for anything in return. It's about associating yourself with people, not who are going to like give you better status around your friends or just people that you don't know, but it's about hanging out and loving people who the rest of the world looks at and as soon as you're associated with them, they look at you and they go, oh man, I can't believe that you would be with those people. And that's the way that Jesus' kingdom works. It looks different than what the world says success is or riches are um, or what anything that, especially that these people here and what we have heard. We live in, let me tell you guys this right off the bat. We live in a country that is very well off. Like, we can't, even, we can't even begin to imagine, I couldn't even wrap my head around this as a, like as a middle schooler, how, just how good we have it here in terms of like where our next meal comes from and a roof over our head. I don't know anybody in this room um, that wonders about those things. 
And now you may be like, I don't know, Adam, whenever I got home, like instead of dinner being at five, it was like at six yesterday. And that was rough. Like, and that's where, and we're like, we, we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from because we were fighting if it was going to be McDonald's or Taco Bell. Like we, it was, and then we just settled on Chick-fil-A because that's the Christian thing to do. And so, so it was like, <laughs> so, so, but it, that's not, that's not real. Um, and so also I love Chick-fil-A, just so you guys know. Chick-fil-A is delicious. Did you say Chick-fil-A? That's awesome. We don't wonder where our next meal is going to come from, except for like choosing from the many options that are like down the road when you drive through Belden Village. Like that's our decision, all right? There are not many times where we find ourselves in a position where we have not eaten in days, and we, do, we still do not know where our next meal is coming from. We have it good here. And if we are not careful, our hearts can easily become discontent even in the midst of us having a lot. And so Jesus even speaks to that back in Luke 6 where he says, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who weep, blessed are those who are hungry. Like, because those things in us push us towards the kingdom of God, it it pushes us towards desperation and our, our... our desperation should lead us to Jesus and him being the ultimate provider. Not that like I've somehow done this. As you guys get older and jump into high school and like you guys that maybe already taken like these career aptitude tests. How many of you guys have taken stuff like that where it's it, like tells you what job you're supposed to go into when you get older? Anyone? Okay, a couple people. They'll start pushing this. Like you'll, you'll start to get this as you get older where it's all about like what am I good at? What career should I, should I go into so that I can make a lot of money um, so that way I can have the things that I need? Um, and, and it's all about like career and money and security and and, and being safe in that way. And here's the thing. As you guys go through that, that is not what your end goal should be. It should not be, I'm going to provide for myself. I'm going to do these things for me. I'm the one who does this. And even in, even in things that you have been like blessed at, like things that you feel like you're gifted in or good at, like understanding what the kingdom looks like means that we know that those gifts come from God. Like that we've been given those abilities so that we can even get jobs or have things that we're good at so that we can provide for ourselves and our family. Like if you trace it all the way back, it it comes back to the one who created you and gave you the gifts that you have. So it's very easy to get into this mindset of like, I earned this. I worked my way for this. I I practiced every day. I did all these things and forgetting the one who gave you even the ability to do those things. And so the kingdom looks different than what the rest of the world is like. And so we've talked about the kingdom and, and, and Jesus teaching about this, but then it comes to this question here, and I love this, because I thought about this whenever I was, I was your age, and even like into, into high school and college, because I didn't really get what, what the kingdom is. Like, if we, if we were to stand here and say, okay, yeah, Jesus, Jesus teaches that the kingdom of, of heaven or the kingdom of God is coming or is already here, we're like, what does that mean? Like, do, like, the clouds come down? Like, it gets real foggy? Like, and then there's, like, a, a throne somewhere? Like, what, what is the kingdom of God? Because when you think of a kingdom, I think of, like, some place with, like, walls and a throne room and, like, a castle and, and like, a king. And the king part translates. This is, that is, we think of God's kingdom. There is only one king, and his name is Jesus. He is the king. 
but his kingdom looks different. Because even here, the Pharisees, they're, they're thinking the exact same thing here in Luke 20. They're like, God, like Jesus, you're talking about this kingdom? Like, okay, so where's it going to be? Like, we want to pack up. Like, we want to go there. It sounds like a great place to live. Um, I've got my, like, you know, I can sell my house. I'm going to go. It's going to be fun. It's not like vacation to, like, Disney. Like, that's not what this is. Um, he's, he's, they're like, where is it? And he says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And if you, if you dig into that word, so the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. In the Greek, the, the word midst um, actually translates to, um, in some places, to within. And so what Jesus is saying here is, like, literally, if you go and tell anybody outside of this room that, like, the kingdom of heaven lives inside you once you are a believer, that sounds like crazy talk, right? Maybe to us in here, that sounds weird. How many of you heard the phrase, though, growing up, um, if you believe in Jesus, he comes and he lives in your heart? How many of you guys have heard that? That's not a trick question. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I grew up saying that, like, yeah, so when I, I ask, like, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And here's the cool thing. We'll, we'll dig into that in just a minute, but I just wanted to know who all has heard that. But it is not that kind of far off from the things that even we have been taught of the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's, it's within you. And so it's like, okay, Jesus is talking and he says the kingdom of God is within you. It's in the midst of you. What is that? How does the kingdom live in my body? <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> um, and so fast forward with me. Flip over to, to the book of Acts. Flip, flip over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. It's, uh, you're in Luke. You'll go John and then Acts. And it's chapter 1. And actually, so, so like one of the last things that Jesus says, right, the great commission that we hear all the time is that you go make, make disciples, baptizing those, like, Make disciples. Go. Go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? You teach them. You do all these things. And so it's like, okay, this is what we've been commissioned to do. We're going to go do this. His disciples are there. This is after Jesus has been crucified, and he, he, ra- he rises from the dead. And then he says, go and make disciples. Do, teach them what I have taught you. And you've got, like, a couple fishermen and some tax collectors and some dudes that didn't make it very far in school. Like, they dropped out, like, in third grade. And, like, that's it. And they're like, all right, we're going to go change the world. Woo! But here's the crazy thing, is that before Jesus leaves, he promises them something. So he starts this. He, he says this. So we'll, we'll, we'll start um, in, in two. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's already twice now that we've mentioned the Holy Spirit, and he's also, he's talked, he's still speaking about this kingdom of God. 
And then in verse 6, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So even then, his disciples are still like, all right, so this is still a physical place. Like, they have seen Jesus die, come back to life, and like, walk into their room, like, walk through the wall. Like, they have seen him, they have touched his hands, and all of this crazy stuff, and they still, like, they still don't get it. It's like... Okay, so like, okay, now you're leaving, the Holy Spirit's coming, and you're talking about the kingdom. So like, but it's like, it's going to be here, right? Like the kingdom is going to be here. They're thinking of a physical place that like the government that was in place there was going to get like kicked out and the kingdom of God was going to come in. And like, that was going to be like, they're, they're going to have like a, a country flag and like a national anthem. And I wonder what national anthem the kingdom of God would have if it was a place. Anyways, that's like, that's here, neither here nor there. It'd probably be, I can only imagine. So, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> oh, anything Chris Tomlin. So, that would be, the, that would be, that would probably be it. So, anyways, moving on, moving on from there. Um, he's, they're, like, they're still missing it. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he, he repeats kind of this great commission again. He repeats this to them. You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to be the ones to carry this thing everywhere that you go. You will be the ones to do this. And how does he say that they're going to do it? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the very beginning of verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So now he gives them, like, the how. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. This is how you will accomplish these things. So the Holy Spirit's going to come. So now fast forward. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and now the disciples are, they're hanging out, they're waiting, they're praying, they're, they're like, they're, they even figured out who's going to replace Judas. Like, they're like, well, he's out, so we got to find another one, because there has to be 12 disciples. That's the way it is. So they vote on a new guy. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... So this is like a, this is a festival that's happening. And so like a ton of people from all over different areas and different places have all like converged on um, Jerusalem and they're all there and they're hanging out. They were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. All right, time out. Like, if this is legitimately happening, like, there are, like, little things of fire coming and, like, sitting on top of people's heads, I would be freaking out, okay? Like, and this is what Scripture is saying is happening. Like, he's saying, like, tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each— I don't know, if fire is, like, sitting on you, like, I'm running, like, stop, drop, and roll, okay? That's number one rule you learn in, like, preschool. If you're on fire, you roll. That's it. And so if, if this was happening today, it would just be chaos. It'd be crazy. But it was a little nuts back then. Because then, here in verse 4, then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So now this thing that Jesus has promised is here. 
like, bam, Holy Spirit is here. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And stop right there. So now there's like, there's fire on people's heads. People are speaking in all kinds of different languages, like that they don't even know. And all of this stuff is happening. And it's, what's, imagine you're just like at like Burger King, like across the street. I don't know why I picked Burger King. You're at like a cafe across the street. All of a sudden you just like hear this like commotion and you like look in to like the, the window of like this building or something next door. And there's like, there's just fire everywhere. People are running around and like screaming. And you're like, what's going on in there? What's happening? Like it would be absolutely, try to put yourself in the position of somebody like looking through the window or maybe you just like, one of your buddies invited you to come and hang out and like sit with them because they, they're waiting and they're praying and Jesus said that this Holy Spirit thing was supposed to come and you're like, well, I don't really know what that is. And all of a sudden, and there's just like fire everywhere and people are speaking in, in other languages and all this stuff. That sounds, does this sound crazy to you guys? Like, I would, I, I don't know. I would be freaking out a little bit. And so all of this happens. This Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised is here. And man, like, there's no way that you could miss it. It's not like somebody was just like, like walking around and they're like, oh, I have the Holy Spirit now. That's it. I did it. Like, that's not how, like, they're here and, and it is like, it's chaos. It's crazy. And I, I, I think it would just be so fun to have seen this. And so all of this is going on and rightly so. There are people who are walking around and be like, those dudes have drank way too much wine. Like, what is happening in there? They're all super drunk. Like, we don't know what's going on in there. Everyone's losing their minds over there. And so fast forward to verse 14 of chapter 2. Peter, Peter, the one who, like, has foot in mouth, like, like it, it's a problem. He, he, he refuses to shut up sometimes. He's the one who cut off the dude's ear in the garden, like, trying to defend Jesus. Think about that. Like, Jesus is the one who, like, made everything, and he holds all things together, and he's the creator of the universe, and, like, all this stuff. And Peter's like, I'll save you! Ah! Ear. Blech. I did it. I just think it's funny. Peter's a funny guy to me. I love Peter. Peter, this dude who was a fisherman, not taught how to speak to people, like, not a teacher, none of those things. Now he gets up. And scripture says he's, he's empowered, emboldened by the Holy Spirit. And all through the rest of chapter 2, like up until verse 41, those whole is like, is like the very first kind of sermon that has been given, the first message given post-Jesus leaving. And it says that thousands of people were added to their number. Like, so it goes from this chaotic scene now, all of a sudden, everyone, like Peter gets up and he calms the crowd and he's like, listen, this is what is happening. He begins to teach the gospel to them, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it says that 3,000 people followed Jesus that day. They're like, I'm in. I've seen it. I'm convinced. And then those people as well, like, are also filled. It's crazy. And so... Whenever Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and the way that it's going to move and expand, it is not a place, but the kingdom of God is something that is in us. 
And so whenever you, in your life, whether it has happened or, and I hope, man, I hope it does, you have made that decision. Like, you're just like, yes, I'm in. God, I'm yours. Like, take my life. I know what you've done for me. I know who your son is. I know that Jesus died. He, he rose again. He defeated death in order that my sins would be forgiven and that I could live forever with you and then I could live a life to the full here and now. Like, you get that. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit fills you up. And so there are, there are many of us here in this room this morning. Like we, we sit here, we sing the, whole, the song, Holy Spirit. And it's like, yes, we acknowledge that you are here. The Holy Spirit is here now, today. The one that came oh, almost two, like just over 2,000 years ago to Jesus' disciples. And that was the thing that gives his disciples power, the ability to speak his name, the ability to speak to others about Jesus. Like these aren't even people that have been trained. Nobody went to school to be a teacher or to preach the gospel or nobody was like, I want to become a pastor or this and that. Like the Holy Spirit then fills them and empowers them. And this thing that starts with like these 12 guys and Jesus immediately in just the first couple of days grows to thousands of people. And then from there spreads to what we have today. So think about it this way. The kingdom of God is wherever the Holy Spirit is. But where does the Holy Spirit live? In you. If you have been saved. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Lives in me. That's like mind-blowing to me. And you think about it in this way, that then wherever we go, we are taking the kingdom with us. Because the kingdom of God is wherever the Holy Spirit is. And hopefully, as the Holy Spirit changes us, we are the ones who are loving the poor. We are the ones who are loving our enemies. We are the ones who we are not, we're not obsessed with our status and how many people like us or, or how many people follow us or all these other things. We're not about our own image. We are about giving our lives away so that those who feel broken and poor and, and oppressed, like that those people would find life to the full because we at one time were those people. This all stemmed, like the whole spread, the whole movement of the kingdom of God, of the gospel, it, it happens because of you. Like I hope that you understand the weightiness of that. Jesus didn't say, all right, here's how the kingdom is going to work. Here's how the Holy Spirit's going to be spread. You're going to find a dude to get up every Sunday, and he's going to teach for like 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and if you have anyone who doesn't know Jesus or know me, like, you need to make sure that you invite them to church so that they hear the word, um, and that's how we're going to spread the gospel. It's not what happens. The spreading of the gospel happens through you. Every day, wherever you're at, whether you're playing a game, whether it's on your, your dance team, whether it's in your hallways, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's in your classroom, wherever, whether you're at home, in your neighborhood, like at the store, everywhere that you go, Jesus' commands about loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, caring for those who oppress you and, and, and persecute you, all of these things 
should change the way that we interact with the people around us. The kingdom of, of God is not just upside down, but it's inside of us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. I want to I wanna try something really fast. I need, um, let me see, uh, I need a couple people to stand up. Um, okay, you stand up. Uh, yeah, Dakota, um, Jack, and uh, Brady. Yeah, you can stand up. I need another, uh, yes, right over there. See how many? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, six people. That's good. So let's pretend this is the way the gospel spreads. It spreads through people, okay? Now, if we're trying to spread the gospel, if we're trying to advance the kingdom of God, it's got to be through relationships. It's through people. It's, it's us going out. We take the Holy Spirit to people around us. So here's what I want you guys to do. Um, I want all of you that are standing, just tap one person that's next to you. And then that person that got tapped, go ahead and stand up. So now we've doubled to 12. Now all of you that are standing, tap one more person. All right? So we're multiplying. All right, tap another person. Everybody who's standing, tap one person. All right. This is happening fast. All right. Now everybody else who's standing, tap one person. Make sure that you tap one person. If you don't have anyone in front of you, go find someone. All right. Now if you're standing up, tap some per somebody else who's sitting down. Find someone. There's not even enough people sitting at this point. There's not even enough people sitting down at this point. All right. Everybody's standing. All right. So here we go. All right. So go ahead. You guys go ahead and sit back down. Sit back down. Do you see how fast that happened? That's crazy. Now imagine this. Imagine this. Okay. All of you, you walk into your schools. How many of us are there? There are, there's probably about 125 of us in here this morning, just from my general estimation. There's probably about 125 of us in here. If every single one of you spoke to one person or loved them in such a way that you pointed them to Jesus. What is that? 125 times two, 250. And then if, if they, everyone then else is sent on the same mission to go and make disciples and to love people and to carry the kingdom into wherever they're at, it's 250 times, or times, or sorry, 150 times two, it's 250 that we have. Then multiply that by two, 500. Multiply 500 times two. 1,000, 2,000, 4, 4,000, 8,000, 8,000, 16,000. Like that's all of a sudden you get to this number that is so mind-boggling that it's like, man, how fast could you get to 7 billion? It wouldn't take that long. Like, and that sounds crazy. But the goal of the gospel is to get everyone, everywhere, bowing down to the name of Jesus, understanding what he's done for them. And it's not just like, hey, now go and tell other people just that they need to show up to church and they need to do like all these things, check, check, check. No, that's not the gospel. Everything that we've seen is about like if the kingdom exists in us and we understand Jesus' commands to us and how we are to act 
around other people, if every single person that is in, that has the Holy Spirit living in them, what does that do to homelessness? Just like in this area. If then everyone that runs into somebody who is homeless or big, not only lends them money for a meal, but says, hey, I have an extra room at my house. Come and stay. What, like, what does that look like? What, is, what does hunger look like? Not just in this country, but it looks like all over the world. If every single person is all about feeding those who are hungry, if homelessness is on our top priority list to not just say, hey, I made this nice house for you, but it's like, hey, come and live at my house. Come take the things that I have. Be a part of my family. It's totally different. The kingdom of God is not something that's just like nice and neat and in a box, but it's if we are truly going out and living and spreading this, it is contagious. It is contagious. Because if you asked anyone who is, even any, anyone who's not a believer, anyone, maybe find somebody who hates church, who hates God, and just say, hey, what do you think about like if, we were able to like end like world hunger. I don't think you would meet anybody to be like, that's like super beneficial. Like I wish that it would stick around. Like nobody would say that. Like what if, hey, what if we could get rid of, what if, what if there was nobody left who was homeless? What if there was no one left who felt abandoned as a child? Like nobody is going to look at you and be like, you know what? I think those things are actually good for us. Like nobody would say that. Everybody in the world wants what Jesus is teaching about. But the problem is they don't want to do the things that Jesus teaches to get there. Because it looks like us being not selfish and not prideful and not caring completely about ourselves. Which is like the opposite of what celebrity looks like in our country. We are in such danger of completely being all about ourselves. We have to be careful. Are you guys following me? Like, if you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, that's where we're at this morning. And that's why, that's why, that's why we're moving, that's why we're not doing mix this summer. We're doing kingdom weekend. That's why I want us to just, I want to give you guys an opportunity. Like we've, I've taught about this. We've, we've said that this is important and I want to give you guys an opportunity to like put your money where your mouth is and, and actually go do it. And to say, I just even for a weekend, if I can intentionally serve. And again, that doesn't just happen on a weekend, like away at Malone and in the canyon, like that happens in your house every day with your parents and your sister and your brothers and all and your cousins and all of that like it happens in your school it happens everywhere that you're at that we constantly want to make sure that the actions that we do the words that come out of our mouths those things are pointing people back to Jesus Jesus talks about people who prevent others from entering the kingdom of heaven and it's not pretty Jesus talks about the people who who keep others from coming to know him because they either teach the fa a false gospel or they, they just do things to pull them away from, from him. Those are scary chapters, scary verses in the Bible. And the hope would be that we have, have been changed 
and we understand that Jesus has rescued us, that we then go, and it, man, it's like, it's just natural for us to tell about what Jesus has done for us. It's not like a forced thing, but it's like the more and more that you understand the depth of Jesus's love for you and what he did to save you, that will change you. And the only way that we know more about that is even is reading his word. So are you doing, are you, that's like, that's like step one, like start there. Because the more that I, the more that I understand about God, the more I understand about who I am in light of him, and it changes the, changes, changes who I am. So that's where we're at. Will you go and do that? Will you be a kingdom worker? That's what we say we're all about in here. Be known, give encouragement, be a kingdom worker. So that when you leave these walls, it's all about other people. How are you living? Are you a kingdom worker? I want us to do that together. Let's be kingdom workers together. Let me pray for us.